Welcome to the Caged Vision Show, where each week we talk about one thing, putting your vision to work. So whether you're the CEO of a large company, maybe an executive within a large company, maybe you're a small company, maybe you are an entrepreneur that is just getting started. Each of you has a vision for where you want to go in the future, and we talk about how to get there, how to put that vision to work. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Caged Vision Podcast. We've got a special guest today. His name is Tim Allison, and he has a fabulous company called Screw the Naysayers, which I love. Tim, welcome. Hey man, I'm so happy to be here, Gary. Yeah, so tell us, first of all, tell us about the name, right? Because <laughs> you know, I, I love it and I can draw my own conclusions, but I, I know it comes with a story. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Look, look, it's really what I've been, the, the philosophy I've had in life for at least the last 30 years or so. I mean, I, I grew up like I think most of us did in my generation. I'm 60, man. So I was growing up in the, you know, the 60s and the 70s and, and going to college in the 80s. And it was all about, you know, get, go to college, get grades, get a good job, climb that corporate ladder, make fistfuls of money, buy a house, get married, have kids. And that was, that was success. The, so my yeah. problem was, man, that I, I did all those things by the time I was 28. Yeah. And, you know, and um, um, uh, I really got very frustrated by, by work and by the sense that, that this can't be all there is to it. And, yeah. um, and I realized that there were a lot of things that, that I, uh, you know, that I was not prioritizing and that I was not doing right. And including being a parent, you know, yeah. that was around to be my, you know, I, I didn't mind working hard, but I was, I was literally an absent father. Uh, both physically and even when I was home, man, I was just so wrapped up in, in the office and sales quotas and politics and, and everything else that I was yeah. probably just a miserable person to be around. And it's, it's when I walked from that that I sort of adapted this, adopted this screw what everybody else says, man. I mean, if, if it feels like it's something I want to do, I'm going to do it. Yeah, good for you. So going back to when you were in that uh, sort of on the hamster wheel, right? You're, you're there, you're doing, you feel is the, well, this is just the, this is just a journey, right? This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, you come home and you mentioned uh, being absent. Did, w- were there times where you came home or times when you were driving home or times on the weekend when you reflected where you said, uh, there's, there's got to be a, a better way? Was there a seed somewhere where you said, I don't, I don't know that I can do this for the next X number of years? Yeah. Uh, there absolutely was, but you know, the seed was actually also tied to the fact that uh, my wife is from my, my, yeah, is from this rural little fishing village in in Nova Scotia. It's very remote, and I had been there, um, and we'd actually lived there for a couple of years after we first got married, and and I missed it like heck, man. I mean, I you mm. know, I know that 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 the um, even though I'd been born and raised in Toronto, which is where I was working. I mean, it's funny when I went back to Toronto at my job, everybody thought I was from Nova Scotia because all I ever talked about was you know, was Nova Scotia. Yeah. Um, and I really missed it. And I think anybody who's had to move away from home, you know, in order to, you know, because they bought into this idea that in order to achieve the kind of success that you might want financially, or the kind of success that society defines for us, we might have to move. And certainly in mm-hmm. living in a rural community, it's the story around here, and it has been for generations. Mm. Um, you know, that was really, it, it was just carrying me up inside, Carrie. I mean, I wish yeah. I could say it was one moment, man, but I spent three years of my life in, in absolute agony. Like I would wake up at night with these alter egos having a fight in my head. Like the one telling me, 
Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say this is a really important distinction because I want to make sure. So if, if you're listening, and of course, this show, we want to give encouragement and confidence to those people to keep them along the journey. Don't give up on the journey. And, and the point is that it doesn't, uh, it's not as if that journey is a week long. You just yeah. described years, right? Yeah, you just exactly. described this constant struggle. So keep going. I'm sorry. I didn't want to make No, no, no. And it's a great point. And the thing is, yeah. it also doesn't, it didn't feel black and white. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, it, 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 there were days when, when obviously when things are going well and I was making fistfuls of money and I had a, a credit card, I could take my wife out to any restaurant that I wanted. We were winning, you know, we got to visit mainland China in the 1980s, which was a very rare thing to do on all expense paid trips from our, you know, from our company and stuff like that. I, 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 I don't want to demonize work. It was, it was my inability to, to handle that work structure with my family obligations and everything. And it, the other thing that, that, that causes a lot of agony is that you start to think there must be something wrong. I thought there was something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I would say, well, I have everything that I was told were the, 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 the foundations of success. I've achieved it so much faster than anybody in my entire graduating class, which would have been the most remarkable thing because I would have been the only thing I would have been voted you know, to the top of the class. I would have been something like least likely to pick up a girl in a bar or something like that. Uh-huh. And I actually met my wife in a bar, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, serious, you know what I mean? And, and it really, so what's wrong with me? And I think right. that's a really, you know, I, want, I think people should acknowledge that and realize that there's nothing wrong with you. You know, if your mind is telling you that, you know, that, and it tells you in, in, in ways that you might seem subtle, but they're not. If you're unhappy, if you can't sleep at night, if you can't get an idea out of your head, like, I want to go home, <laughs> I want to yeah. move then your mind is actually telling you that you really, really need to do that. But we don't view it that way. We, we get caught up in all the drama. And like I say, that, that I had these imaginary conversations. On one hand, if you don't quit, Tim, you're going to be dead or divorced in five years or both. And on yeah. the other hand, you know, only an idiot quits a job like this. Suck it up and be a man, you know? And Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're speaking. I mean, I'm sure there's so many people that are nodding their heads right now. So talk to, speak to, uh, how you uh, how you struggled through that, and then how you decided? Okay, um, I need to I need to reconcile these two and choose a path, and, uh, and and how you did that process. Yeah, I chose the one that scared me the most, um, mm-hmm. and you know, coming you know, quitting the job was you know was was one thing. I I think I came to a conclusion I had to quit that job that I could not continue in that job and and and. Uh, um, and have any hope of happiness. But, you know, then I started looking around for work and, you know, other types of jobs in Toronto. And I've pretty quickly realized that all I was going to get is the same crap, if you may, with less money. <laughs> Cause I had, I was in the top 2% of wage earners in Canada to put in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the alternative was to look at, at Nova Scotia, look at this, even today, Carrie, it's a three and a half hour drive to our nearest airport to, to fly wow. somewhere. It was over four, four and a half hours in those days. And, you know, for if, if, if people are watching this on video, these little hands aren't meant to do with the work that most of the men in this community work at, which is fishing yeah. boats in the forest, in construction, especially in those yeah. days, still a lot today. Eh? So, I mean, I went in almost into an abyss. I had no backup plan. I announced that I was going to start a company, an educational software company in 1988, which, you know, I say that only to emphasize that there was no internet. There weren't even, there were no <laughs> laptop computers. We didn't even have hard drives in our desktop computers. We had boxes of floppy disks beside our computers. Okay, so you, you, decide, you decide you're going to do this, yeah. uh, quit, 
uh, without, did you have some sort of plan or you just had had enough? Yeah, I'd had enough. Okay. The plan I had is that I just received and I'd known it was coming for a while. I had just made the largest sale in the company's history in Canada and it, it resulted in the largest commission check I've ever received in one shot. Yeah. And yeah. the plan was that's about six, eight months that we can survive on and we're going. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and then I opened up the shingle and, and um, I couldn't really have told you at the time, I never would have guessed where I would have ended up my money, making the money. Because in those days, the idea was to continue working with, you know, with helping businesses and major corporations set up what they called in those days information centers, or today we'd say a learning center, but right. where they would use computers to teach. And, and uh, I ended up making, you know, taking my business to 10 million in the educational software space for reading, writing, and math programs, remedial programs for, for adults that had fallen through the cracks and, you know, couldn't find a way to, you know, to participate in society. Okay, that's an important distinction because I want to make sure that everyone listens that when, when you start with a plan, and we were talking about this before we started recording, but when you start with a plan, uh, a plan is a great exercise. But it doesn't mean that the plan is going to be reality. In fact, the best thing that you can do is, is be nimble and listen to what the market's giving you. And the, the, then you enter a new, uh, a new tug of war. And that new tug of war is uh, being nimble, but then not, not, not over pivoting and, yeah. and, and reacting to every opportunity. So talk yeah. about how you, you went from and settled on, on, the, on the market that you did. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting man, because I mean, I, and it's actually tied to mindset because I mean, in those first three years, you know, Carrie, I mean, I had said, you know, screw the world. I mean, I'm going to go to Nova Scotia and I'm going to find a way to, pardon me, to make this business work. Um, but I, like I, I was saying before we went on the air, I was convinced at the time that I'd given up any hope of, you know, any kind of serious career, any kind of serious financial success. It was, I felt like a victim to be honest, or mm. a martyr. I'd sacrifice myself for my family type of thing. Um, so for three years, I said, I'm going to make enough money to put food on the table and keep a roof over my head, which is surprisingly enough, exactly what I did. Yeah. Uh, but that was in the traditional space. That's the space I was comfortable in. I was, I was, you know, going around to big businesses and corporations in Atlantic Canada and I was making a living and that's all. And, and I had, uh, I had to put myself out there a bit and it was a miserable cold winter. Um, and I had a chance to go to a conference in San Diego, California, where if I, paid my expenses down there. They were going to pay for the hotel expenses, the meals and everything else. And they, this, this company was going to talk to me about this new educational software program that they had. And, um, you know, we don't have enough time to get into all the details. It, it, it needed a lot of work to be something that could be sold in Canada just because of the, you know, things like no metric math and those kinds of mm. things. But I knew a lot about educational technology, just nothing about selling in, into the, you know, the public education, you know, side of things. But I knew this stuff was really you know, good carry. And so I, I kind of, uh, through a process of, of asking people about it in my home community, seemed to feel it might be worth doing. I started working at it a bit. And I woke up one day, and this is not, not a lie, I woke up and I realized, Tim, I'm spending 85% of my time on this new product, and it's giving me 0% of my revenue. And I said, something has to give here. Mm. But that's the moment in time when I looked at it, and I had finally sort of realized that I, I would, I'd been thinking too small. And I realized that if I kept going with what I'd been doing before, that there just wasn't any growth there. I mean, I, I would just muddle on, but in, until it probably died a slow, painful death, because a business either moves forward or it falls back. It doesn't ever stay the same. And, yeah. um, and I decided that the problem was I wasn't all in. And yeah. I, I went all in. 
and 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 that product line we went on to sell more than ten million dollars worth of that product. But the thing I'm proudest of, Carrie, is it was uh, it was a product that went into into learning centers and schools and first you know Aboriginal communities and you know, Indian communities as you would refer, yeah. refer to them, um, nonprofit organizations, even into prisons and stuff like that. And I helped people set up 115 learning centers across Canada. And I don't know how many, you know, hundreds of thousands of adults had a chance to, you know, work with teachers using this software to upgrade their skills, maybe get to the point where they could get a high school equivalency or get a better job. Or I don't know how to put a price tag on that. And, yeah. and it changed my life in that perspective. I mean, I know the numbers in terms of the business impress people, but from the day I left, left that corporate job, I never focused on the money. I just always focused on what I was trying to do after I got to that base substance level, you know, where food and roof is taken care of. Then yeah, but I, I want to go back to that point because you mentioned that when you set that as the goal, that's what you achieved. Yeah, for three years. And, and, then, and then only until you said, wait a second, why am I doing this? Yeah. What, what, did I start this to make bare minimum our needs, to just make our needs? And I think that's so important because as you start, you have to be realistic. But I would encourage you not to be realistic for long because yeah. you've got to set goals. And I love the, you know, you've heard 10x so many times. And, and I, I love if you've, if you've got a number in your head, 10x it and then figure out how to do that. Yeah. Uh, and, and you'll be amazed how creative you get trying to accomplish something that you never thought would be accomplished. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, instead of instead of asking why it can't be or telling yourself I can't do it, ask yourself what would have to happen in order for me to be able to do it. And, exactly. And um, you know, and that's where I mean, a, a mentor can make a world of a difference. I mean, it's it's. I don't think I would have snapped out of it without the help of a. You know, he's he's gone now, but Roy was came into my life at that conference in San Diego when I met him, and you know, he just became the kind of sounding boards where I'd call him up, and and back in those days we didn't even use email all that much. I mean, it was. Yeah. I mean, we did conversations. I'd call him up and I'd say, Roy, what do you think? I mean, what if I decided we to set up a, a dealer network all across Canada and, um, and take on this product? And what if I also decided to hire some Canadian teachers to write some curriculum and we found some way to take the lesson structure you guys have already paid for and we just sort of take out the, 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 the content that you have in there, but we put in like, so if the right answer is C or something like that, the right answer is still going to yeah. be, See, yeah. you know, and you know, he would always say, I think that's a great idea. Why don't we look at it? And it's, oh, it's as soon as you get past that, and as soon as you get some reinforcement, you know, it, um, it's, it's just, I don't know, it drives you crazy when you try to explain it to people, Carrie, because they either, people, most people don't believe you, or they nod their head and say they believe you, but they don't really, and, it, it, and it, well, it's, well, it's mindset, mindset, mindset. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, listen, I want to go to, you touched on mentors. Yeah. And um, I've talked on the show before that uh, part of part of unlocking your caged vision is taking that seed and and watering that seed and 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 we encourage them to build on it and document it somewhere and go back to that same place so that you build on it over and over and over again. And if you if you stop building on it, and that probably means it's it's not something that you need to invest in. But if you continue to go back to it, that it does, and then at some point put a little math to it and see if it's vi viable and then reach out to someone. But we always encourage them. If you're going to reach out to someone and ask for an investment of their time, make sure that, uh, that you've a done the work up front, not just scatterbrain popcorn yeah. thoughts, but done the work. And then, 
uh, you don't have to listen and do every word precisely, but make sure that they know that you listen to what they said. Give us, give us some of your advice on that. Yeah. Well, I think what you just said is so, it's so important. And it's, it's actually one of the reasons why, you know, for the last 25 years or so, I've actually paid business coaches, you know, a variety of them. I have one right now. I'm working with Ron Malhotra. Um, But, you know, that the challenge, you know, is, is it's kind of like for any of the lawyers in your listening audience, I apologize in advance, but it's kind (laughs) of like, you know, going to see your lawyer. Uh, My future son-in-law is a lawyer. Let me get a lawyer. I mean, going to see Kyle, and, and asking for his advice on something, paying him for it, and then ignoring it. Yes. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that you should always do blindly what, you know, what lawyers or anybody else tells you to do. But if you think enough of people's, you know, knowledge and expertise to, to, to talk to them, then you really have to be, you know, going into these things with, you know, with, with an open mind. Um, and I just, I, I would really, really encourage people to consider investing in, like when people ask me, what can I do to, you know, to, you know, to 10x my opportunities, 10x my life, I say, hire a coach. I mean, I just, mm. I just sincerely believe it. I mean, you know, I, I do a little bit of it myself, but it's not a vested interest comment here, man. It's, it's, it's just that when I look at the major breakthroughs that I've had, I mean, Roy, I didn't have to pay. I was just blessed that he was right. in life for 20 years or so. Um, and I didn't use anybody else in that period. But, you know, um, I, 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 we need people to, uh, to hold us accountable. You know, to, to know, I mean, I was talking to, I don't know whether you know, Marcus Aurelius Anderson, he was on, I, was, I interviewed Marcus today on my show, but it's not gone public yet, but no, he's an amazing guy. He had an accident in the U.S. military when he was preparing to go overseas in the U.S. infantry and um, died twice on the operating table. When, but they brought him back, but they told him he was paralyzed from the neck down and he would be that way for the rest of his life. Now, Marcus today is going around the, you know, the world um, giving TEDx talks, uh, a promotional, you know, uh, keynote addresses. He's studying martial arts under one of the disciples of Bruce Lee and is very advanced <laughs> at it. He's in wow. the best, best physical shape of his, of his whole life. Um, and all he talks about is, you know, is, or not all, but he talks about, you know, the, the power of, of, uh, of, of, of our mind, the, the, the fact that our mind has the ability to believe just about anything. So if we believe that it's a good thing to go murder children, we can actually, serial killers can actually convince themselves rationally in their head that that's a good thing to do. Yeah. But if you realize that somebody's able to do something so dark and, and evil as that, just imagine if we actually use the power of our mind to say, I'm going to achieve this for my family, for my community, for, you know, for the world or in, in service of others. And, you know, the beauty of my, my podcast, Screw the Naysayers, is that I just keep getting guests like that, Carrie. And every time I listen to them, it's just, you know, it's just like uh, having a coach myself, you know, in, in the room. But he says, he points out that, you know, even Bruce Lee had a coach. You know, I yeah. mean, everybody needs somebody, uh, you know, that if you really want to get to your top zone of excellence. It's, okay, it's so I want to go there. Yeah, yeah I want to go there. So uh, for those that are listening that um, – you know, the, the concept of a coach is not anything that's, you know, they haven't heard before, but how they would find the right person. What are your recommendations there? Yeah. Well, I think that the two things that I would really emphasize people to be looking for is, and I'll, I'll use uh, an example if I could with my, with my podcast. So I was 60 years old, Kerry, when I started my podcast. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't know what this technology was, how any of it worked. I mean, it, it looked like an entire different language with different alphabet, you know, type of thing. Yeah. 
Um, so when I started, I got, I did get some young people to get me started, but when I started to get serious about it as a business, I said, I need a, I need a coach. I need okay. a mentor specific to help me specifically to help me with my podcast. And I looked for two things. I looked for somebody who had done what I wanted to do. And I looked around and I found a guy named Mark Metry, who's the humans 2.0 podcast. He's 21 years old. <laughs> He's got a top 100 rated podcast and he got there in 18 months and he didn't wow. know anybody from Sam when he started. And I thought, well, yeah. He's ahead of me, but he's not so far ahead of me that he doesn't remember what it was like to be in my boots. Yeah. And I think that's really important. You can go out and hire, uh, you know, the best of the best of the best. But if they're too far removed from where you're at, if their memory will have, you know, lessened. And yeah. the second thing I want is some social evidence, some social proof, real names of people that I can call that can confirm that you know how to teach me what you've done. Because you got to be able to do the two things. You have to be able to you know, to, to do what I want to do. And you have to be able to uh, prove that you can teach somebody, you know, how to, you know, how to do it. Yeah. And, and um, if you take that criteria, and then I just absolutely love the power of, you know, of, uh, of social media, and, and for, in particular for me, LinkedIn. I mean, this oh, is so where, powerful. You know, you look for the leaders in the industry or community or the people who have done the kind of things that you want to do. And, and so right now I'm working with Ron Malhotra, um, who is, uh, you know, in my opinion, um, you know, you know, one of the most genuine thought leaders and most direct and easily understood thought leaders in the world. Yeah. And, and I got enormous respect for what he's, what, you know, he's, there's nothing black and white about, or there is nothing vague about where, what Ron stands for. He's very clear. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. not emotional and everything. So I hired him. I said, yeah. you know, Ron, I, I have a specific, some big things that I want to do. I don't want to go sit in a rocking chair. You know, I'm going to live another 30 years. I want to, I want this next stage of my career to be a progression. And yeah. that's the other thing I say to people like, don't, I hear so many people talking about, I'm going to quit the corporate rat race and I'm going to go start a job, but they're going to get caught. And I guarantee you, most of them are going to get caught in the same mindset trap that I was in. They're going to feel like a bit of a victim as if they've made a sacrifice. And if you go into that, not seeing what you're doing as, as a progression in your career, you're not going to be happy. Mm, you very good. might see it as a progression in your lifestyle. Okay, I'm going to have more time with my kids. I can travel more. I can move to a different community. Those are all really important things. They were hugely important for me. But when I was not happy was when I had, had not um, accepted that, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to sacrifice having a, a good, meaningful job. And I promise everybody that this gray hair, whatever you can see on this, these, these uh, <laughs> video, man, when you get to about my age, sometimes a little earlier, but you know, you're going to start looking back over your shoulder and you're going to start looking um, at the life you've lived and you're going to ask about the meaning behind it. You're really yeah. going to want to know, did I get up in the morning? Like Marcus said to me this morning, like he broke up, for, it turned 40, you know, um, broke, divorced, uh, bedridden and paralyzed from the neck down. And wow. after he got over the acceptance, you know what he did? He got angry. And first he yeah. got angry at the world and everybody around him for him being the victim. But then he got angry at himself for wasting the last 40 years. And most people wouldn't have said, like he has a fine record of service in the US military. It's not to belittle that. But he just said, there's so much more I could have done. There's so many more, so many more people I could have helped. And don't let yourself get to be my age where you look back because I'm not saying you, I can still look forward. But yeah, absolutely. You're not even guaranteed to get to my age or whatever. We're not even guaranteed tomorrow. This might That's be the correct. last time you and I ever speak to anybody. Yeah, I, well, I, I hope not. But yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a wonderful lesson. 
Um, all right. So let, listen, one more question, because I want to make sure that um, I want you to talk about your book and I want you to talk about uh, sort, of the, sort of the podcast. And uh, obviously, uh, it, people can deduce from the name, but tell us uh, why the book um, and, and, and yeah, give it, give us, give us some uh, more on that. Sure. Yeah. So the book is short. Um, you know, if you ever get on a plane or something like that, you can read this book in an hour and a half, two hour flight easy. Um, it's light. Um, it's not a classic hero's journey. It doesn't say, look at, you know, look at Tim and all these things he did. In fact, the parts of the book where I use my own story, I'm really looking at the parts of the transitions that were really difficult. So I'm advising people like, you know, I was 31, married with two kids, uh, you know, and, and all sorts of burdens, you know, in terms of financial burdens that, that made the decision that I made a lot tougher, right? So I'm really trying to encourage people to, you know, to get down in their soul and figure out what they want. And I talk, I talk about the process and these battles of these alter egos in my head. And I aimed at, it actually hit number one on Amazon bestsellers for careers for youth. Um, oh, so for, for, for teens and for young adults is where it actually ended up hitting, you know, hitting the most audience. And I think it's because a good half of it is, is, uh, is a very sarcastic look at all of the advice. And I'm using that word generously that parents yeah. like you and I and others carry are given to our kids about, you know, like, is, you know, let's face it. There's a whole lot of people around us who are, going through life as good actors, they're actually not happy themselves. And if they think their kids haven't figured it out, um, <laughs> then yeah. I got news for them. They might not listen to most of what we say, but they, they know what they watch. On, oh, know. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's book, great. Uh, screw the naysayers. Get it on Amazon and, you know, ebook or, or, uh, or the, the full copy. And uh, the podcast goes by the same, same name, Screw the Naysayers. It's uh, available everywhere. And I, I'm up three days a week, man, every Monday and Wednesday and Friday. And we're just hammered away on shattering self-limiting beliefs. And I get some inspiring stories like Marcus and others. And you've yeah. got an episode, uh, you know, coming up with us that I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to. So uh, yeah, I'd love it. And I love it if people reach out to me, you know, on LinkedIn or whatever. And it's probably- Well, that was going to be my question. What's the best way for them to reach, to, to connect with you? Two places. I mean, screwthenaysayers.com has got everything you know, in one spot, the podcast links and all that. But I mean, to hit me up easily, it's the easiest for, for, you know, to get engaged and stuff, LinkedIn. I mean, Allison with one L, Tim Allison. Yeah, and, perfect. Uh, or if I'm sure if you put screw the naysayer in, it would, it would come up as well. And, and uh, you know, I just love engaging. And, and anybody that's sort of stuck or, you know, wants a, a, a virtual kick in the butt, I'm your guy. Uh, very good. Well, listen, if, if you guys want continued uh, encouragement and confidence, keep listening to the show. If you want it faster, Make sure that you can keep listening to uh, this show, but go to Tim's show and, and look for that encouragement. If we can help either one of us, if we can help you in any way, please reach out. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.